Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this. Let me tell you something. 
I'm pissed. Excuse my expression, but you can't get any more graphic than what is going to be talked about tonight. And you all know me, Letitia and Melissa knows me, and I'm going to tell you guys something. As I'm sitting here giving my dialogue and my commentary, if you will, haven't even got to scripture yet in the prayer, but tears are in my eyes just thinking about the pain mm-hmm. that those babies endured. Right. And as someone said, there are Kirk Gosnells all over this nation. But guess what? You have been warned. You have awakened a sleeping giant. And mm-hmm. we're coming at you. This is personal for me. This is personal because as someone who doesn't even know if he'll ever be able to have beautiful children. And folks decide that they're going to throw their babies away like they're nothing. And I also fault the lies of the media, the lies of the propaganda who says, it's okay if you can't afford it, if you can't afford If you cannot afford to take care of a baby, you can just throw it away. Right. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. I mean, that can be said about all kinds of things. Um, It could be said about uh, any kind of slave practice. You can't afford to take care of the slave you have. You can dispose of that person however you wish. It's the right. same it's the same script. And it really is. And so mm-hmm. uh, so Thomas, you had something you wanted to say um before we go on? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna open up with our scripture and prayer and then I'll go on because I don't okay. wanna I don't wanna get too involved into the show without uh Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I come to you with a heavy heart because of this particular subject. Lord, for all of us, abortion is an issue that strikes a chord. But when I think about what was done to those babies, not just by this individual in Houston, but Kirk Gosnell, the other three individuals that uh, that the other individuals who targeted their own community, black abortion doctors. They didn't. They they wasn't talked about because of what. Kermit Gosnell did, so they got to slide under the radar. But as you saw from the press conference, those names were given because your word says, Lord, everything in the dark comes to the light. Father, I just ask you 
to really let this show today awaken people to get off their apathetic backsides and do something because enough is enough. The enemy is on the run. What he is doing, being exposed, it's not enough to be outraged, Lord. Ezekiel 33 talks about us being watchmen on the wall. But if we don't sound the alarm, those who are caught up in wickedness will die in their wickedness, but the blood, their blood will be on our hands. So, Lord, we come to sound the alarm, but not just sound the alarm, but to do something about it. I thank you for for bringing Melissa back to us with a beautiful, healthy baby girl. Lord God, pretty. That was your blessing to her in Devin, Lord God. I thank you that, that Elena is, is being used by you just to Draw Devin and Melissa even closer in their love, Lord God, mm-hmm. because she is a wonderful blessing for you. I thank you for my co-host, Letitia, who who really, her and Melissa are the heart and the backbone of the show. They line up guests, write commentary, and I just thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and we pray that this show will, this particular show today, Lord God, will have an impact on the lives of the people intended to be reached. In the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. God said through the prophet, I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed may live. This particular subject is is personal to me. It's personal to me because I set out on a journey to find out. Many of you heard my story because I've shared it many times. But now, I have to share the finality of it. Because as many of you know, I have had um, complications from my birth, um, situations with walking, all this stuff. uh, My entire life, I've had problems. And I made a discovery that the particular hospital that I was born in wasn't 
your regular hospital, if you will. It was a hospital of alternative medicine. It was an osteopathic hospital. What they dealt with was bone manipulation. Folks, the biggest problem that I have had my entire life was with my skeletal system not being able to move. When I was in Children's Mercy, about my third month of life, I wasn't like your typical normal baby who, even when they were even a premature baby, still have flexibility in their limbs. But reading my medical records, they found that I couldn't move my bones. I couldn't, well, I wasn't moving. I didn't start walking until I was about 18 or 19 months old because I couldn't move. I suspect that this hospital, the same hospital, it was the same hospital that was trying to force my mom to abort me, the same hospital that also because, and I personally believe this, my own opinion, refused to give her a C-section because she refused to abort me. Therefore, my mom gave birth to an ectopic pregnancy, a tubal pregnancy. I wasn't fully in her tube, but whether halfway or whole, if you were in any part of the tube, folks, you're a tubal pregnancy. So when my health got really bad here in the last few months, I I had to leave a job because I couldn't any longer deal with the severe pain. So I started looking for my records to find out what exactly was wrong with me, what happened, so that I could find a plan of action. I got most of my records, except the records that count. My actual birth records have been destroyed. Folks, I was born with severe complications. I was a premature baby that they wanted to abort. And I know for a fact that hospitals do not really destroy the records, they put it on microfilm, microfiche, and they store it away just for, just in case. Say I had children and that child needed a certain blood type or whatever. They need those records. But I suspect, and I can't prove it, but I suspect that that week in that I spent in the hospital, I was an experiment. And that is the reason why now, and you guys can't see me because I'm on T, I'm not on TV, we're over the Internet airwaves, but certain things that I cannot do with my limbs that most people can, can do. Like when I turn, try to turn my hand, face my palms face up, 
I cannot do that like a normal person without my entire body shifting to the way that I'm trying to turn my hand. Why is that? Because my shoulders are completely out of alignment. So what this Houston doctor did to babies is no different than the experimentation that went on on babies. Enough is enough. And I don't care if you're an abortion supporter. There is no justification for what was done. None. If you know you're in a relationship, men and women, and you know you're not in any financial position to take care of a baby beforehand, there's one of two things you can do. Use protection or don't do it at all. Because it's not fair that babies have to suffer for your selfishness and your irresponsible actions because you're too arrogant and full of yourself to take care of what you need to do. And Leticia, I'm done with my my monologue. You take okay. it away, but I am angry. Well, um I think as a as a patient who's been I have at least the the injustice of not having the explanation that you deserve to have those records, to have them destroyed is a terrible injustice. I think that the hospital or those that are responsible need to own up to that. And as you've told me before, it isn't just you. It is a whole series of medical records that were destroyed from for like at least 14 years, right? Um, yep. 14 years worth of time, worth of medical records. I mean, I think that whoever is responsible is staring down the barrel of a class action lawsuit, to say the least. Yeah, so, I I agree. I agree. But um, let me get to a few things before we uh, get our guest on the line here. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I, yeah, I know there's a lot of things. There are a lot of things we do need to talk about today. And so much, I feel like I'm just holding my finger on a leak in a dam. And any second now, it's all going to break loose on air and flood everything at once. But I think our audience listening today and I know I have a lot of new listeners out there today. I would like our listeners to understand that we have tough, pointed analysis of the pro-life issues here on Pro-Life Fridays Radio. I, I won't shy away from calling evil as it is when I see it. And we will always bring out the truth and reality of issues that never get talked about or thought about, but should. For instance... Um, everywhere I have the conversation about the widespread availability of the Plan B drug now, not just to te- teenage girls, but to men, I get the response from 100% of people saying they never thought about it, how it could be used 
to sexually abuse and harm women and girls. Mm-hmm. That is the reality that the public is not being told, that I will loudly proclaim on this show. So if you want to have the cutting-edge perspective on pro-life issues, listen to this show. I'm not saying we're the best, like we're in some kind of contest, but frankly, we are wading in uncharted waters with the one goal of telling people the truth about Mm -hmm. pro-death design operating in the U.S. and and in the world. So however, as, as pointed as I'm going to be, and as Thomas and Melissa are also willing to be, I will never support the kind of language that demonizes and condemns individuals for who they are. We talk a lot about pro-abortion people by name, but unlike some pro-life folks out there, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're bad, and I'm not saying they're wrong, I criticize, their, I criticize the pro-abortion folks out there, their positions and what their positions mean. I've heard pro-life people say that they wish Kermit Gosnell would get his spine snipped and burn in hell for eternity. I don't believe in saying something like that or even thinking that. Um, Some human beings plunge into the depths of moral depravity a lot deeper than your average sinner. But let's be clear about one thing. We are all condemned to begin with and act out of our own depraved nature as sinful human beings. We have no right to point to another and say how much we want that person to stay condemned for the evil he has committed. Kermit Gosnell is receiving justice in this world for some of his crimes against humanity. And that's all anyone has a right to ask for. I will point out and criticize the thinking behind his crimes all day, every day. But I would be crossing the line if I ever say that I wouldn't want him to be redeemed or forgiven or saved from his depravity. Those people who do don't represent my beliefs or the beliefs of Pro-Life Fridays Radio. And that goes for anyone else we talk about, even by name. It is enough to say how inhumane and evil the beliefs are of the pro-death activists. I won't contradict my own position or the position of this show by wishing on them the deadly things they wish on others. So mm-hmm. having said that, let's go back to a regular program, a <laughs> regular program, and how I love the stories about abortionists who are killing Born alive babies just don't seem to go away, no matter mm-hmm. how hard the mainstream media tries to ignore them. Mm-hmm. Last week, yeah, last week I talked about the trifecta of bad news for organizations like Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion organizations. Well, that trifecta has become a quadrifecta. I don't, I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm using it. Another abortionist has been identified as the one who operates a shoddily run abortion mill and kills baby babies born alive during abortion practices. Douglas Carpen of Houston, Texas, is that doctor. Mm-hmm. And various reporters, those who are pro-life and paying attention, I should add, are calling him the Texas Gosnell. Well, 
Well, we are certainly going to be talking a lot more about him in the coming hour of Pro-Life Fridays Radio. But before we get to that with our fabulous guest, Mark Crutcher from Life Dynamics, I'm going to tell you how the other side is handling all this negative press. And several people in particular have made official statements regarding the Gosnell case, both making the flagrant wife-beater claim that it is actually pro-lifers who are at fault for the practices of Kermit Gosnell. <laughs> Kate Mitchellman, and Kate Mitchellman is the former president of NARAL, and Carol E. Tracy, who is the executive director of the Women's Law Project, wrote a joint opinion piece in the Philadelphia Inquirer earlier this week. And also Vicki Saporta, the president of the National Abortion Federation, wrote in USA Today. Both opinion pieces uh, basically say the same thing, that the stigma that anti-abortionists, and I'll use that word, it's accurate, to give abortion, the, the, the stigma that anti-abortionists give to abortion made Kermit Gosnell do what he did. <laughs> the stigma against abortion led women to his door instead of the pristine and well-regulated Planned Parenthood facility down the street. The articles don't explain how stigma against abortion allowed his cats to defecate all over his abortion facility, allowed him to reuse instruments that were not properly cleaned on women, and sever the spinal cords of babies born alive. But, you know, allow me to restate for our audience that Kermit Gosnell had supported dangerous abortion experimentation since the 1970s. Mm -hmm. I don't think he broke the law because pro-lifers made sad faces at abortion. These, mm -hmm. these lamer-than-thou talking points from, from people like Vicki Saporta and Carol Tracy and Kate Mitchellman they, they do just one thing, listeners, and I want you to pay attention and know this well. These talking points do one thing, and it is, and it is they exhibit a fully-orbed abuser mentality to blame the victims and the public that is resisting the culture of death at this point. Mm -hmm. They're blaming the victims for the crime. Mm -hmm. They have taken a scandal on their part because they could have exposed mm -hmm. Gosnell decades ago. And so mm -hmm. now they're trying to play this off as some kind of oversight. But clearly the grand jury report exposed, might I say, a willing suspension of disbelief in Gosnell's butchery. Why? Mm -hmm. Because he had a steady stream of referrals for what he did. Mm -hmm. These women want you to think that they are throwing Gosnell under the bus, but they're really not. Just, just listen to what these wife beaters wrote in addition. This is from Vicki Saporta. She said she wrote additional regu regulations because now that now that Gosnell has been caught and tried and sentenced, states are strengthening their regulations on abortion clinics, but what she's saying is additional regulations are not necessary, 
abortion was already highly regulated in Pennsylvania. And no restrictions would have stopped Gosnell as he blatantly chose to operate outside of established standards of care and the law. Additional restrictions do not make abortion safer. (laughs) They just make it more difficult for women to access the safe, high-quality care they need. Wow. I mean, can you lie a little more? (laughs) Obviously. Oh, that's now. From Mitchell and Tracy. Do you want to comment on that real quick? Go ahead, Letitia. I was just, I was going to, I was going to jump in. Why, I don't understand why they don't come out and just, and and why why they're not honest with with the public and with their supporters and admit that um, what they want is not safe. And abortion, that is not what they're about. They're not about right, the safety right. of these women. That is not their point at all um, because they know that with more regulation, that more and more abortion clinics are going to be shut down, which is what we're seeing. Um, I think Philadelphia just this week shut down five clinics, okay? Right. In the, in, I'm sorry, in the city of Pittsburgh. And in California, I think there's about three or so this week. So they they recognize that with more regulation that these places will be shut down and that they will not be able to operate and to keep up with the standards that the rest of the medical um, profession are are held to. Um, So they're playing this double-edged sword, um, but they really know in the end that this is not about um, women's health or rights at all. Right. Exactly. Sorry, hold on. Hello. 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 Mark. Yeah. Hi, this is our guest, Mark Cutcher. Can you hang on one moment? You, I was supposed to put you in our screening room, but uh, you ended up right on air. <laughs> what? So hold on. We'll be with you in just a minute. All right, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean difficulties. Yeah, I don't understand. Keep going. I understand the logic that says that uh, regulating uh, safety practices to uh, to protect women is hurting women. It's, right. It's, it, this is, it's, it's double talk. It, it is. That's exactly what I was going to say. It is double speak. It is double talk. This is straight out of the novel 1984. If, if people haven't read that, you really need to get your hands on George Orwell's 1984 because we are living that reality today where abortion supporters are saying opposite things. On the one hand, Kermit Gosnell is, they're, on the one hand, they're wagging their finger at Kermit Gosnell and say, shame on him for doing something like that. And on the other hand, they're patting his back and pushing women to his clinic all these years. And now mm-hmm. they want us to turn around and say, oh, he, what he did was terrible and, and he was unregulated. Well, and then so when we want to come down with regulation, they say, oh, no, we don't really want that at all. Mm-hmm. I think the the double orifice face is really showing, mm-hmm. it, it, and it's showing in a big way. 
from Mitchellman and Tracy said they they they're placing blame, they're spreading it all around. Unfortunately, they say politicians continue to make it harder for women to get safe abortions. Every year since 1976, Congress has reauthorized the Hyde Amendment. Oh, shame on that Hyde Amendment, which bans federal Medicaid coverage of abortion except in the cases of rape, incest, or danger to the pregnant woman's life. Pennsylvania likewise restricts state Medicaid money from funding the procedure except those in rare circumstances. So low-income Pennsylvania women are as a rule responsible for the entire cost. Oh, imagine that. That typically equals or exceeds an entire month of temporary assistance for needy families' benefits. So what they are saying is that women who are receiving welfare should also receive free abortion. And because they're not receiving free abortion, that's why Kermit Gosnell was writing false prescriptions for OxyContin. (laughs) Uh Aha. These women want you to believe a logical fallacy, which is the statement that whatever happens in the abortion industry, abortion itself is always a necessity. Listen, Mm-hmm. Everyone is in the way. Pro-lifers, politicians, even abortion pro- providers by implication because people can't afford to have an abortion by mm-hmm. making it too difficult for women to have more abortions. Mm-hmm. And, and now this tumbles down to that's why Kermit Gosnell suffers baby spines. What? Abortion should be everywhere and cheap like Joe Biden at a charity ball. I, I think... <laughs> I think the lid is fairly blown off this case. If there, if anything, these abortion rights activists are straining for credibility. Mm-hmm. My only fear is, is the American public too blind to see past it, too blind to see through the obvious doublespeak? You know, I will jump up and down and, and hold up a sign all day long to point to the truth of the issue, but it isn't going to do a whole lot of good if we are past that point where we're unable to see the wool. We're not able to see the wool that's being pulled over our eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we need so, to change this dynamic. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and the, by virtue of this show, it is our effort to try to let the people know, let the public know exactly where we are being misled. Uh, and God willing, somebody out there is going to hear it. Uh, but one of the people that is, is is helping us with this message, we are all doing the, the best effort that we can in using the tools that we are given. Um is our wonderful guest today, Mark Crutcher from Life Dynamics. And let me set this up. Um, What came out this week, earlier this week, was just the most explosive video. And and it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to compare because it has it's come so timely at the heels at the end of this Gosnell trial, at the end of the series of exposing videos uh, ex- videos exposing the willingness of other abortionists to commit afterbirth abortions or infanticide um the videos by live action here we have um 
a video that was released that details three uh, three abortion clinic workers talking about specifically Douglas Carson's clinic and how he would commit late-term abortions, live abortions, uh, babies born alive, and then kill them after birth. Um, so, Mark, welcome to the show. Welcome back. We, well, I'm thank so you. Glad that you're nice to be us. back. It's my pleasure. Great. So tell us a little bit about how these videos uh, came to be. Well, from the as you mentioned, yeah, as you mentioned, we um, interviewed three women who worked at an abortion clinic in Houston, Texas. Um, and we, the, the point of this was that we were approached about this, and, and these women are telling these horrific stories. And they really uh, put the period at the end of the sentence of the, of the Gosnell situation because the pro-aborts and the media, which are one and the same, of course, um, around here trying to project this image that what happened with Gosnell in Pennsylvania was the anomaly. This this is not right. this is not common. This is unusual, and it's and it's strange. I can go back over the thirty some odd years that I've been at this. Every time we out these people for what they're doing, it's oh that's that's the anomaly. That's not normal. Well, at mm-hmm. what point does it become normal? Right. If everybody's doing it, when does it become normal? And um, so there's this there's this paradigm out there that they're pushing that he's the odd guy. So they threw him under the bus, right? I mean, two mm-hmm. years ago, he was they a pro-choice hero. <laughs> right. So he was a pro-choice hero, and now all of a sudden, um, you know, 30 minutes after the after the verdict is read, Planned Parenthood's out here saying, oh, thank God justice was done. This is... You know this is outrageous, and and we don't we don't approve of this. Well, they did they did approve of it, and they knew about it, and it's, it's now clear that they knew about it. Some of them even admitted that they knew about it, and so, you know, I'm not listening to the crocodile tears about how we didn't know that all this stuff was going on. They did know it, but now mm-hmm. they're telling this lie that this is not common, that this is not done other places. This is a one-time kind of situation, and. We had these three, um, we, which who we interviewed, and of course some of the stuff they're saying is is every bit as horrific as what Gosnell was doing. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are going to be more of these coming forward, mm-hmm. um, because this little thing that they're doing, inducing these live birth abortions, and right. and they're doing it in order to avoid the risk of medical malpractice. Right. This way, they can they can kill the baby outside the womb rather than inside the womb, and they don't risk their themselves getting charged with some sort of medical malpractice. Mm-hmm. And so they induce the, the labor. The baby comes out. They kill the baby, and um, in some of the most horrific fashions you can ever imagine. Not that any, even if they were doing it humanely, that doesn't justify it. But right. um, and we're making the point. And I think we've proven the point. It's not that we're making it. We've proven the point that this is happening other places. And mm-hmm. it's going to continue. And these horror horror stories are going to continue as long as this country looks the other way at the slaughter of 3,500 babies a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, did these, yeah. how did the three employees 
leave the clinic and give their testimony? How did they come to you to give their testimony on well, video? They they had come out and and um, had talked to um, a friend of mine at Operation Rescue, right. Troy Newman. Mm -hmm. And uh, Troy, of course, contacted me because this is the sort of thing that we do. We have a lot of experience with this sort of thing. We've done it in the past. And um, so one thing led to another, which which then culminated in the interview that we did um, earlier this month. And um, it took about three months to put all this together for wow. all this to come to a boil. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not a very it's not just a it's not just a simple matter of oh, I want to tell my story, oh, okay, sit here in front of this camera. There, there's a lot more to it than that, and especially when you're talking about a situation in which you're going to be talking about what are, by Texas law, murders. That's what this is. Right. When these babies right. are born alive, they're outside the womb, um, those, even by the lackadaisical standards that we apply to murder these days, those are murders. Mm -hmm. Now, let me make it crystal clear. All abortions are murders, every one of them, whether they incur inside the womb or ex utero outside the womb. But I'm saying that even by Texas law, which doesn't recognize abortion as murder, these are murders. Right. Is, is, is there any way that the – now, when you made these videos at the time, they were not able to – reveal who the name of the abortionist was, but now we all know who he is. It is Doug, Douglas Carpin. He actually owns three abortion clinics in the, in, in the state of Texas. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. And so now that his name is out there and the latest I, news that I've seen on, online is that the, the lieutenant governor of the state of Texas is, is seeking to press charges, or actually seeking for an investigation first. And well, he, so, yeah, he started yesterday calling for the district attorney's office in, in Harris County to start okay. an investigation, and that investigation has already started. And today, Governor Perry came out and uh, reaffirmed that. Mm. Oh, very nice, very nice. I mean, I, I want to see these things come to light because I think. Uh, they they have been hidden from public view for far too long. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, it's, it's the, the nature. It's the, listen. This is the nature of the beast. Right. If you're going if you're going to accept abortion, you're going to have to accept that it is never going to be done in anything other than the most wretched of conditions. And the analogy yeah. that I would draw here is to is to pornography and prostitution. Nobody expects that. I mean, the most r r rancid, hardcore pornography that you can imagine that's online on the Internet is legal. Mm -hmm. But right. we all understand that it's sleazy, right? Right, yeah. And you could legalize prostitution, and it's still going to be a sleazy business. Legalizing abortion did not change the sleazy nature of it. Hmm. It's always, it's always going to be sleazy, and now... Even many people who label themselves pro-choice are grudgingly admitting that that's the case. And they'll come right at you. You can go online and find articles that they've written saying the biggest failure of the so-called pro-choice community has mm -hmm. been our inability to mainstream abortion. Right. They, mm. are, right. they honestly, and, and we just they talked honestly about thought, that. Yeah. Right. 
they honestly thought 40 years ago that, and, and go back, you can go back and read some of the articles that they wrote right after Roe versus Wade. And they said, well, you know, this pro-life movement is fledgling, and they won't be around long. Two or three years from now, they'll be gone, and abortion will just be part of the mainstream culture, and it will be part of mainstream medicine, and every OBGYN will be doing abortions. And I would argue that the stigma of abortion is greater today than it was then, mainly because more people know what abortion is today than knew what it was then. And Mm -hmm. the fact is they're never going to clean it up. It's not possible it is it cannot be done well and i i totally agree and what about the claims i think you heard a little bit about what we were talking about uh before you came on the line uh this is the claims of for instance vicky's supporter from the national abortion federation that not only was gosnell an outlier but that more regulations would have a counterproductive effort that it would it would it would be even worse for women seeking abortions and that, you know, it wouldn't solve I mean, anything. It's I mean, the most preposterous we... thing that you can possibly argue. <laughs> it, the, uh-huh. the analogy here would be if you caught a bunch of car dealers doing something crooked, and but it was something that could be regulated, and, so, and, the, and the state saying we're going to regulate the behavior of these car dealers so that they're not engaged in this crooked behavior. And somebody coming mm-hmm. out here saying... Oh, no, 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 that'll just make it worse. Right. Nobody mm-hmm. would buy that. And nobody is buying this nonsense. Right. No. The, abortion, right. the abortion lobby can sit here and say this all they want to, but they're lying, and everybody can see that they're lying. Mm-hmm. Right. We have a couple of clips from uh, the, uh, it's almost 15 minutes long of the original video, but we have a few couple of minute clips from uh, the ri- videos that was broken up onto YouTube, um, and I'm going to play one of them, and, and then I'll ask you to comment on on that. It takes about 10 seconds for it to load, and I'll just keep talking until we get there. <laughs> and so we'll listen to that, and then you can make a comment on that. Most of the time, um, we would see him where the fetus would come completely out, and of course, the fetus would still be alive because it was still moving, and you could see, of course, you could see the stomach breathing. And um, that's when he would do his, um, he would snip the spine, as they're saying, that um, this doctor did. And, of course, the soft spot was one of the spots that he would um, uh, take the one of the forceps or the, what is it called, um, the dilators and stick it down the soft spot of the fetus's head. When you he, saw this happen? Oh, yes. Every I think every morning I saw several, on several occasions. If we had... Um, if we had 20-something patients, of course, maybe 10 or 12 or 13 or 15 patients would be large procedures. And out of those large procedures, I'm pretty sure I was seeing at least three to four um, fetus that were completely delivered in some way uh, or another. Now, this employee was saying that out of 20 abortions, about half at the least, half of them were large abortions indicating well per, well past 20 weeks pregnant and out of those half of those um procedures three to four of them would be killed outside the womb right that's what she's saying that that is horrific that but, but, but wait a minute. To, okay okay but let me ask you this 
and, and I and I agree with you. It is horrific. But you know, I wrote an article while the Gosnell trial was going on, and I'm and I, my article was, "Who's really on trial?" And my my contention was that God, that Hermit, Kermit Gosnell was not on trial. America was on trial. Right. And when you said, uh-huh. and and I totally agree with you that what 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 this woman is describing is horrible. And you, there's pictures associated with this, and and some of those have been published already. We had we had them here, and you see these these poor babies. These are large babies. They look like newborns that have been hor- horribly disfigured and killed, and that's horrible. But my question is is this, and this is the philosophical question we need to ask here: Was it less horrible had they been killed in utero? Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, a, it's, it's, and, and if you think about it for a minute, the Gosnell trial was really about one issue and one issue only: location. Right. Mm-hmm. Where those babies, where those babies were located, is is what they were deciding. Had they, had Gosnell been able to demonstrate that all those babies were, you know, all the little pictures you saw of the babies with the back of their necks cut and their spines snipped in half, if he mm-hmm. could have shown that that same exact thing was done to that same exact baby, but it was done inside the womb rather than outside the womb, he would never have been on trial. That would have just been a garden variety, everyday, ordinary abortion. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm saying to you that what was on trial in that that courtroom was the United States of America. Mm -hmm. Are you going to tolerate this? Are you okay with this as long as it happens in the proper location? Right. Yeah. You're right about that. Yeah, I, I think that the, the pro-abortion side, that they understand that as well, um, they understand um, the root uh, of the discussion, um, which is about the moral evil of abortion. And, um, you know, the, you know the, the, just the evil uh, nature of, of taking the lives of children, and that's why they are trying to um, intentionally shift this discussion to, you know, health code violations and um, access to abortion care and these sort of things um, because they, they don't want people to look at what really um, is a core issue is that what Gosnell did uh, did on the outside of the womb um, it's no less humane um, having it being done inside the womb. It's the same um, end result, which is the loss of, of life. And so um, and I think this case is a great opportunity, like you're saying, Mark, for Americans to really sit back and look at the big picture of abortion and what it is and what it looks like um, in, a, in a moral sense and philosophical sense and to really ponder it. And, um, again, I think the pro-abort, are very um they're they're trying to be very crafty by shifting the discussion so that we don't think about this issue right now. They always hey, me, want to stay away from the moral argument. Mm-hmm. Because they have they have no moral argument. Absolutely. They, can, they cannot make one. Right. We've got one more clip. Hey, let me, um let me jump oh, go in ahead. here. Go ahead let and me, say what you're gonna say. Let me jump in here before you do. And okay, I wanna say that Part of the problem is that the church gave gave them the open door not to have you to see the baby alive. Uh, address it 
from a moral standpoint when they said back in the early days of the pro-life movement, a lot of prominent Christian leaders, and Mark, you could probably speak on this as well, when a lot of Christian prominent leaders in America said, do not make the abortion issue an issue of moral Mm -hmm. or moral or religious issue, make it political and uh, scientific. When they made that statement, we effectively, the body of Christ, the church was effectively moved, removed itself from the argument. Mark, could you speak on that just for a second before um, before Letitia plays the clip? Well, yes, and I can tell you that what you're saying is absolutely true, but it's worse than what you're saying. I'm collecting notes for an, another book I'm going to write here uh, as soon as I get a moment to catch my breath. Um, and one of those is going to be the church's role in not only continuing abortion in this country, and, and, and make no mistake about it, the church can end abortion any time it chooses to do so. The American oh, abortion lobby and the American abortion lobby cannot stand up against several hundred thousand churches in America. They couldn't do it. But what they know is those churches aren't going to take a stand. Those churches are run in almost every case by people who are abject cowards. The the missing ingredient here is not education. I get so angry with pro lifers who will tell me, Well, we just gotta do a better job of educating the church. There's not a pastor in this country who doesn't understand that abortion takes the life of a living human being that was created by God. Right. There's not a pastor Amen. in the country that doesn't understand that. Right. right. So education is not the missing ingredient. The missing ingredient is courage. They don't mm. have the courage to stand up. And I'll tell you, right. like I said, what I said to you a moment ago is true in that I said it's worse than you think. We've done a lot of research going back prior to the days of Roe versus Wade, and what we're a picture is beginning to emerge that not only has the church allowed abortion to continue, abortion would never have been legalized to begin with without the cooperation of the church. Right. And we're documenting a lot of these things that were said and written, and I'm telling you, it is, it is on one hand frightening that this actually happened with the not with the blessing of the church, but with the cooperation of the church. Right. So with now you've got curious. <laughs> now you've got curious. What is what is the element that the church contributed to uh, the legalization of, of of abortion here in America? I'm not going to get into that until I get all my research finished. Okay. But I'm telling you. I, I'm a big, big believer in doing the research, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with our, our video, Mafia 21. Yes. Um, yes. We, re, we researched that for three years before we came out with it, and I want to point something out about that, that video, and we make, the, we make the point that the legalization of abortion was a continuation of slavery, which it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in, in the three years since Mafia has been out, we haven't had one person refute one fact that we put into it, and that's because we did our research. And we're going to do the same thing here, but I'm telling you, already we're seeing evidence that it, the church, it was it was with the blessing of the church that the legalization of abortion happened in the beginning. Blackman, who wrote Roe vs. Ray, Harry Blackman, who is, by the way, our version of Adolf Hitler, that's the American version of Adolf Hitler, and Hitler was nowhere near as evil as this guy. Uh, just in the sheer numbers that that we're looking at, 
But uh, eight, uh, Harry Blackman uh, clearly, you can see the rhetoric in Roe versus Wade, clearly got that from church sources. It was obvious that that's where it came from. And he even talked about that in, in the later part of his life. So we're going to document that before we, uh, as part of this new book that I want to write. But um, and we may do a, a DVD about it rather than a book. I don't know yet. But anyway, um, the ch- the, make no mistake about it. The church can stop abortion any time it chooses to do so. It just chooses not to. Right. I I I fully agree. Um, I've been hearing that from multiple sources. Uh, within the abortion community even. Even Abby Johnson, who I listened to last night, uh, reiterated that fact that we could. We could eliminate abortion overnight uh, if not for the apathy. I'm going to play one more clip uh, from the video that was released, and then we're going to comment You on see that. the baby alive. Yes, sir. And him, him kill that baby outside the womb. Yes, sir. And this would be done by jamming some sort of instrument into the either that or or or, or, or um twitch actually twisting the head off the neck mm. and with his own bare hands and you saw that happen yes sir sometimes he would go through the stomach as well sometimes he would do what he would like force it through the stomach the the instrument mm-hmm. the for the is it beer like twist it yeah and you Another saw that mm-hmm Anything that he can get to is the passive. Like she said, the umbilical, he's probably separating the umbilical cord. Um, I normally saw either the snipping of the spine or the introduction of the instrument in the soft spot of the fetus normally, or twisting of the neck. Well, remember he would put like his finger? Yeah, or his finger. He'd take his finger and then oh, through the throat. throat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, so so here are the we have these three women who are testif who are eyewitness test eyewitnesses to these type of killing procedures. And my question when I'm listening and I'm watching this is, how did they get so far into this business that they can just sitly calmly tell you about this as a matter of fact? Uh, you know, that just kind of boggles my it's mind. It's it's an interesting psychological study. It's kind of like if you went and read about uh, what went on at Auschwitz, mm-hmm. and you know you think, well, how could these people do this? How could these guards participate in this? How could these people run these gas chambers? How could they shoot these little children through the back of the head at these at these death camps? the The problem is that people refuse to recognize. We're getting to this politically correct situation in this country where people will not acknowledge the existence of evil. There is evil in the world. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And that's what that's what this is about. This is a continuation of a battle that's been going on for thousands of years. This is just the latest manifestation of it. So these these I assume that they are now former employees of Douglas Carpin. Um, yes, they are former they, employees. Right. So they have left, and what's what's what what did they leave the abortion clinic to? Were they were they rescued out? Were they asked to leave? Did they receive help yeah, to get I, out of there's, that, that? There's position? a lawsuit. There's a lawsuit pending on that, and I really can't comment on oh, that, on okay. that aspect. Okay. 
All right. So, I mean, I think, and I, I, the woman that I just talked about, Abby Johnson, uh, who I talked about yesterday, also runs her her ministry that she has found is is in helping abortion clinic workers to leave their jobs. And I think there's a lot of if you were looking for some place to invest uh, in a worthy cause, I highly recommend looking that. Um, ministry up through Abby Johnson because she is doing a huge service to the pro-life community by encouraging women, or not women, encouraging abortion clinic workers to leave those jobs. And they have a, a way where abortion clinic workers can find the income they need until they find a different job. It is a transitional ministry. It is very much needed. And, um, you know, I hope more people like these three women can leave their jobs and tell the outside world what is being shielded from our eyes. Um, so how many more, how, how, what do you expect in the future? With this video going forward, do you expect to see a lot more people leaving that industry? Do you expect to see a lot more uh, people coming to you and saying, I need to put my testimony on video, will you help me? Well, I think that one thing that, that's often overlooked in the Gosnell situation is that not only did he get convicted of murder and he's now going to sit in prison for the rest of his life, seven of his employees were convicted. Right. And that is the wild card in all of this because mm-hmm. – you got to you I can I can assure you and I have reason to know this there are abortion clinic workers all over the United States today who have seen these things like these three women who have seen these things happen who've never said anything but are all of a sudden thinking wait a minute Gosnell and seven of his employees they're not concerned right. about Gosnell they're concerned about the seven employees right are going to are, are going to prison, and they're going to be looking for a way out of that trap. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether, right. It's going to, whether it's going to the authorities and saying, "Here's, you give me immunity, and I will, I will tell you this. I will testify to this. I will tell you what I've seen. I will do this for you." And I have to believe that I know of a few, and I, can, I have to believe there's a bunch of them right now. That are starting to have second thoughts. Being pro-choice is one thing. Going to prison for pro-choice is another. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Yes, I can only hope that more more abortion employer, employees kind of wake up to the fact that they could be next. That if if the abortionist they work for is going down, that they're going to get dragged down with him if they don't uh, either quit now <laughs> or. Um, Make some sort of plea agreement, and I, well, I totally yeah, agree one with of the that. things one of these things these people better be thinking about is this: most of these people do not make very much money, contrary to what mm-hmm. what a lot of pro-lifers tend to believe. These second-level employees at these abortion right. clinics, um, some of them are making barely over minimum wage. Right, they're not making a lot of money, but the abortion is making a fortune. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if if Let's say you, let's say an abortion clinic uh, owner or director or the abortionist himself tonight is panicking and thinking, "Uh oh, I better, I better get to some country where that doesn't have an extradition doc, uh, uh, agreement with the United States. I'm gonna get out of here." He's probably got millions of dollars salted away somewhere that he can do that with. 
But if you're making $9 an hour assisting this guy who's making millions of dollars, you're going to be left behind. You don't have the option of running off to one of these countries and living on the beach for the rest of your life. Right. And you you better certainly be thinking about the fact that you're going to be the one who gets thrown under the bus. Mm-hmm. You better come um, forward. Wow. Yeah, Mark. I, yeah. Re- I recently um, became a, uh, familiar with um, the postcard campaign that um, Operation Rescue um, has uh, initiated a, a few weeks ago, apparently. Um, and evidently, they've sent postcards to it looks like every abortion clinic in America um, with Gosnell's picture on it, and. Um, I'm looking at the postcard here online, and it, um, it's uh, sub- targeted to the abortion clinic workers, not the abortionist. Um, but it says, don't go to jail for something your employer is doing or told you to do. Operation Rescue is offering a reward of $25,000 for information that leads to the arrest and conviction of an abortionist. Um, and it, it poses the question, will you be next? Um, I, I think that's a, a wonderful um way to reach out to these uh, these workers to get their attention and to get them to come forward. Um, I yeah, think well, that for several we... years, for several years, we've had a website uh, called clinicworker.com, mm-hmm. and it's it's directed toward that same idea that if we can let these people know about a way out, right? Uh, very very often they'll take it. Hmm. And so we have a website, and we're going to be updating that website with some of this new information that we have. We've we've been so swamped this week since we've released this, we haven't had time to do anything. But um, but we're going to be updating that clinicworker.com website um, to make these people understand what the ramifications are of keeping Mm -hmm. your mouth shut and the fact that the guy who, who got you into this mess may have resources and options available to him that you just simply don't have. And you're going to be the one that's left right. holding the bag. That that is a very important thing to point out, and I'm glad you made that. I mean, I think a lot of that that's that's the other aspect that didn't get a lot of attention. Uh, yeah, all the attention that was put on Craig Gosnell and very little put on his employees. And but yes, you are right that um, the the average employee it does not have the resources to skirt the law or get a good representative to, to help them to, I guess, mitigate the consequences, the legal consequences of working for an abortion uh, abortionist who is breaking the law. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, tell us what that website is again that you're working on. Um, well, it's, it's been up for several years. I'm just saying oh, okay. we need to update it. Um, sure. Clinicworker.com. Clinicworker.com. Okay, and if either of you are on our chat room, please write that up because the chat room doesn't work for me anymore. For some reason, I'm going to have to have that fixed. But, um, yes, I want to, if if there's anything else that you want to add, please uh, please go ahead and, and add it here. Uh, we don't want to take up any more of your time than we need to. Um, so I want to thank you for being on Pro-Life Fridays Radio again, and I've so appreciated your time. Well, thank, thank you, you for Mark. having me on. Thank you so much, Mark. Y'all call me again sometime. We Absolutely. will. Thank you very much. Thank you for Bye-bye. what you're doing. Right. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, thanks for being on Pro-Life Fridays. All right. Well, that was just... Oh, that was just-
Ah, uh, man, I am, I'm blown away. Um, I didn't think about the impact it would have on um, on your average employee of, of abortion workers. I mean, I know, we all know that right. the average, run, average clinic staff worker doesn't make a lot of money. I mean, there's, it's not medicine. Let me point that out for our audience, for the world to understand very clearly. Working in an abortion clinic is not working in the medical world. It is not. Right. <laughs> it's very much the opposite of that. And they are very much at the mercy of how the abortionist does business. The right. longer video that's on YouTube, and people can find it, it's from Life Dynamics, details, uh, it has several clips from these women who had took pictures and took video from their cell phones inside Douglas Carpin's abortion clinic they, so they can document exactly what's the, the violation, the safety code violations, the medical violations, all these type of different kind of violations that endanger women, not just make it for, you know, very terrible abortions. It endangers the health and safety of, of the women that go there. Um, and so they have a lot of physical video and photographic evidence of abuse and of violations. Right. And you have to wonder, though, that what are they going to get in return for this, their testimony? You know, they didn't have a great job to begin with, and if they're former employees, they're, it's very difficult, I would think, for them to transition into the legitimate medical work, um, medical world, if they if they were right. trained in any way, and many of them are not trained. But um, right. so you know, I, I my heart goes out to these women and to the present day abortion clinic workers who I hope are sensing are are becoming a little nervous if they know that their abortionist is also committing a lot of these crimes. Um, I hope many of them will take that step forward and leave uh, while the leaving is good, get a good lawyer, and find a way out. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and this this um, kind of segues into our next guest because um, this awesome woman of God, um, I'm going to ask her to, as Mark kind of addressed, a little bit the role that the church is not taking because she herself is a pastor. But I wanted her to call in and weigh in on on our interview because she and her husband had the um, had the privilege and honor of taking part in the um, press conference in Washington D.C. a few days ago with um, past uh, with with many of the past black pastors who are strong against abortion around this nation. And it was an event that was put on by Star Parker and her, her organization, Urban Cure. So, folks, please join me in welcoming to Pro-Life Friday, Pastor Shannon Wright. Pastor Shannon, welcome to the show, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here with you all. You know, this is not a topic and it's it's really commendable that you all are here diligently working on it. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, Welcome yeah. to the show. Spread thank the word. You. Well, Definitely it's a, spread the word. I, I certainly will. I, I I'm uh, <laughs> posting and sharing and blogging about your show as we speak. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Uh-huh. Not a problem. Um, it's it's important that folks that are fighting this fight know that they're the the full extent of the tools and resources that are out there, and you all would certainly be both. So I'm um, trying to let folks know. Thank you, hey, Appreciate that. Pastor, first of all, tell us a little bit before we get your reaction to our interview, tell us a little bit about um, the press conference in D.C. and tell us what the reaction of the media meeting with um, some of the congressional aides and just share a little bit of that. Okay. Well, um, it was a long day and it was an intense day. Um, The press conference started Still there? Uh, she's still on the line. I'm I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Okay. Going, please. All right. <laughs> Can Love you hear me? Okay. Me. Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, I was just saying it was a long day and it was an intense day. The press conference started about 9:45 and went for about an hour and a half, maybe a little shy of two hours. Um, <clears throat> and it was clergy from across the country giving testimony and perspective on abortion and on the devastation and the travesty that uh, Gosnell and others like him um, have been doing and are doing, and unless we do something, we'll continue to do all across this country. Um, After the press conference, uh, we all gathered at the office for a brief minute and then uh, went together over to the Capitol Hill Club um, for uh, an afternoon legislative uh, briefing on the topic again of abortion, and the the legislative briefing was intense. Several folks um, just had to leave the room. The mm-hmm. briefing was uh, there were four panelists, <clears throat> and one young lady was a woman that attended every day the Gosnell trial and sat there um, just to hear and observe firsthand what was going on there, um, and and. More so, what should have been going on there um, in terms of media coverage in the almost empty gallery. Um, And she had pictures um, of some of the things that were introduced into evidence of um, some of, let's just say, this twisted man's uh, trophies. I'm not even going to go into detail on that. pictures of his employees, one woman who has been in jail since and is is crying out for an opportunity to get a plea and tells tell what she knows, not because she's sorry, but because she doesn't want to stay in jail. Mm. And it makes you wonder what kind of depravity our society has sunk into. Now, I know there's a lot of folks, and and just so you know, for those of you wonderful ladies that don't know me, I'm not one for being politically correct, so forgive me if I'm just a little blunt. Um, I don't understand what kind of society we've gotten ourselves to a point where folks are more concerned about their own hides than than the, what were children that are now these 
specimens in these glass cases that this man calls his trophies. I don't understand where we where <laughs> where things went. It almost really kind of seems like a repeat of of biblical history, mm. um, if you will. It was um it was it was sad. It was it just made you sad. I mean, that was just that's like the best the only way I could even describe it. There were folks that you know had to get up and excuse themselves from the room because it was straight to the point. It was graphic, and you know I I. I've been posting the last couple of days to all of those pro-life, uh, pro-choice, I'm sorry, pro-choice folks that seem to feel it's merely about a woman's right to choose. You know, when any of us with any kind of intelligence say we support something, we find out what it is we say we're claiming that we support. So, right. you know, my question to them was, do you understand the concept of how abortion works, both um at the different stages of the pregnancy, do you really understand? And if you do, how can you possibly support that? Because it's not about your right to choose. It's about what you are allowing, encouraging, and paying someone else to do to another life. Right. And people go to prison for hiring hitmen. Isn't that the same thing? Absolutely. We we even had a we ha- even have a case that came out yesterday where a man um gave his pregnant girlfriend Cytotec, which is an abortion drug, and lied to her and said it was antibiotic and she took it, she her her baby died because she actually wanted to keep the baby but he wanted her to have to have to have an abortion. Well, the baby did die, and he is now being charged it as a felony charge, and she, he's being charged by the FBI for murder. That's awesome. I think this is happening. I'm, I'm, let me tell our audience really quick. I said last week that the case of um, Ariel Castro, who is being charged with five counts of murder of unborn children that he aborted, on his on on one of his kidnap victims, that had not that has not been done since God knows when. I don't know. Maybe I have not heard this in the last decade since Roe v. Wade was passed. I've not heard of a case that involved the death of an unborn child and a man uh, charged with murder for those deaths until last week. And now we have another case where it is a clear case of abortion, chemically induced, with legal drugs that were illegally obtained. I think that's where why the FBI uh, stepped in, because he obtained those drugs illegally. But that the death of this unborn child, this fetus, um, sparked the murder charge. I think this is a, this is the house of cards that is legal abortion in this country starting to fall. It, it was just a matter of time. I think that those cards on the bottom are starting to, to get knocked over because these cases are testing, testing, testing the, the, the legal will of the American people to keep abortion on demand like this. I, you know, it, it, I understand the concept of why abortion was created, especially with when you talk about 
the exceptions that everyone wants to get such an uproar about. And the reason I can say that I understand that is simply because judge not lest ye be judged and and love the sinner and hate the sin. So it's not my place to judge other people. It is my place to give my opinion and try and plant the correct seed as I know it to be. But it's not my job to judge them and to persecute people. However, I just can't help but un- but feel that a lot of people who are out there trumpeting this horn don't know what that horn is made of. Mm. And I think that if people really understood how brutal and how cruel abortion is, and I don't care what trimester you're in, um, I think they'd have a different opinion of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, we've we've gotten to the I think what has helped the pro life position is that we do actually have better education in our colleges about human the human reproductive system. We understand fetal development so much better today than we did fifty, forty, forty, fifty years ago. There is no doubt that you when you take any type of class that focuses on human reproduction or human physiology that you can't walk away and say this is is true, what the Bible says, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made because the design of the human body in utero developing from just two separate cells that are tinier than you can see on a, than a period on the end of the page to a grown baby is, you know, one of the miracles that God has embedded into nature, into our, 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 the way we, our bodies are made. And now that that has become, our scientific knowledge has become our common knowledge, the pro-abortion forces out there are backing away from science. We have, I've even seen video on YouTube of Planned Parenthood representatives telling college students to ignore science (laughs) and technology in favor of a woman's right to choose. So now we're supposed to ignore what is obvious to the American public now. And that just, that, I today is the day to boggle my mind because that boggles my mind. I, I don't even know what to say to that. It is true. I think we've backed the. I think the pro-abortion side has been backed into a corner. I would agree with you on that. I would agree with you on that, and I and I think that's that's rightfully so. You cannot. You should not claim to support something that you don't understand what it is, what it does, and how it works. Period. Right. How can we help? Here's the million dollar question. How can we help the church mobilize? That that is the missing I guess it's the missing elephant in the room. If only we could wake it up or if we could only have an elephant in the room to to mobilize. Like we said, we could stop abortion in its tracks overnight if the church in America simply says something. I do how agree with you 100% on that. How do we get to that point? The I think it's, question, how do we get to that point? I think it's going to take a lot of folks, uh, a lot of clergy folks, really reaching out to other clergy folks 
and and being willing to say something to them, being willing to say, listen, do you understand what's going on? Do you understand what the ramifications are? Do you understand both from a psychological, a spiritual, an economic, and a social perspective Mm -hmm. what the ramifications are? And if you say yes, then there is no way for you to go forward and not say something or do something. There just isn't. Right. When you claim to be someone in the clergy and you claim to be Christian and you claim to be full gospel, there are certain things intrinsic in that, which means that there are just certain things that are a given that you do accept and that you don't. So you cannot say one and yet accept another. Amen. And I think that the part of the problem is not enough folks that do understand are talking to enough folks that don't understand. You know, we we tend to, in the clergy, we tend to preach to the choir, you know, and we have to get outside of that. Um, I post regularly things that I say to all my clergy folk. I need y'all to listen. I need y'all to read. I need y'all to just to think about this for a minute, to pray on it, because... <laughs> It's the one, you know, the pastors, the clergy are the are the shepherds. They lead the flock, and you got to be real careful about what road you're leading folks down. Right. You know, because right. um, when once you know and you're past the age of accountability, you are directly responsible for those that you shepherd. Right. And you right. think that because you have a good message on Sunday and your suit is sharp and your car is clean and, and, and your tithes and offering baskets are full, that that means you're going to have a place at the front of the line when you check out of here. Because I guarantee you, if you read the scripture, if you are leading your folk down the wrong road and you know you're doing it, even if you don't know, if you claim to be a member of the clergy, you better know. And if you don't know, you better ask somebody. Now, now speak to this. This is the a question that I've had kind of sticking in my mind for a, a church for a bunch of church pastors who are afraid. They really are, and I, I don't blame them for being afraid. I mean, it's okay to be afraid. No, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. It's not okay to be afraid because the Bible tells you fear is not is, is not from God. Right. Well, well, what that what they're afraid of is is being spoken. Losing the audience that they already have, so they're they're afraid of well, if they speak out too strongly against abortion, that they will be labeled, you know, that guy, or their church will be labeled that church that nobody wants to go to because now you've got a tainted reputation of being a fundamentalist, a right wing conservative, you know, against women's rights, all you know, all those types of. Uh, insults, I guess, people lob at pro-lifers, and they don't want to be, I guess, they don't want to be seen in a negative light. I know we kind of say, well, if you're a believer, you're always going to be seen in a negative light. They don't want that one, and they're afraid to be seen in that light. You know, they'll they'll gladly die for the name of Jesus, but they don't want to be known uh, as, as taking on a position that they think maybe not Jesus related. So where would you how would you address that? I would say to anyone that, that was under that misconception mm-hmm. to say that you would gladly give your life for Jesus but you would not claim 
control life is a direct contradiction. Because the example that Jesus gave was he gave his life for all of us. Mm-hmm. So if you won't even so much as give what you perceive to perhaps be a piece of your, quote, reputation for babies, for lives that Jesus gave his life for, then you really wouldn't give your life for Jesus. Mm. See, it's real easy to say, well, no, I'm a, I'm a fool this and I believe this and I, and, I, and I testify to this. It's real easy to say that. But when, as, as my grandmother used to say, when the rubber meets the road, that's where you, you, you find out the truth in that. And right. if you cannot stand up in your own church for what you know to be correct, you have no business being in that pulpit. Mm. If your concern is your tithes and offerings dwindling because your parishioners may not be so happy with what you're saying, then, then, then you need not be in that pulpit. Because truth be told, we need to pray for you more than anything else because guaranteed when you get to the end of your time and you're judged by your being more afraid of the material things and the and the comments here as opposed to your eternal life and residency address. We need to be right. praying for you. Right, right. I I agree I, that our our pastors and our clergy and anybody who leads others Spiritually, definitely needs to be prayed for themselves. Absolutely, um, they, absolutely. They have, not there's easy. a lot of responsibility on those shoulders. There is, and it is not easy to stand up and say something that you know is going to be in direct contradiction to man's law. Mm-hmm. But would you rather be judged now by man's law or for eternity by God's? And that's really what people need to think about. See, right. too many people get wrapped up in the here and the now. If you don't want to think about this as a moral issue in the here and now, think about it as an eternal, eternal issue for where your butt is going to reside. And I totally agree, And but I can hear the objection. You know, I'm going to lose an audience that I otherwise would have if I didn't say anything so forcefully. You know, as long as they're listening to me, then I might be able to slowly introduce a more pro-life point of view, uh, and I'll get around to it one of these days, but I don't want to push it because if I if they turn off and they leave, then I lose them forever. No. And I hear you on I that. Hear that. Now, yeah. what do we do if, we, if, if God were to take that approach with us? Well, you know, I hear their prayer, but, I, you know, I don't really want to deal with that right now. I'm going I'm to get back to that when I get around to it. See, when you claim to be clergy, you give up the right to have those kind of concerns. Mm. You, you, you give up that right. Your job, your responsibility is to say, do, and be as outlined in the Bible, period, period. And if you can't do it, you need to step off. Mm. And that's the message I would give to any clergy. See, I'm not sugarcoating it. I'm not, mm, everybody, you know, some people say, but God is love. Yeah, he is. But have you ever heard the phrase tough love? It is what it is. Claim it, say it, do it, or go away. But you cannot continue to be in the pulpit and willingly leading people astray. Right. And I guarantee you, 
See, when you when you question things like that, that means you're not operating in faith. You're not walking in faith. So perhaps if folks that are concerned about that could just take the first couple of steps in faith, God meets you where you are. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Pastor, let me let me say this to you because you and I we've had our conversation. Um, quite frankly, I'm tired of being nice. I mean, you you put it bluntly, but I I believe when especially when it comes to the church, it needs to be a little bit harsher than that. Um, let me ask you this. Did you hear the part of Mark's interview when he was talking about how the church was actually complicit in the passing of Roe v. Wade? Did you did you get to hear any of that? Uh, briefly, I, I was multitasking, I must admit. Um, but, you know, that's not that's, – that's not new. That's not news. Um, the church has been complicit in a lot of things. See, right. once we got to a point where the church applied for, believed in, and sanctioned the fact that the government had created a tax status and a code for us to apply for, it meant that we had to accept certain guidelines, restrictions, and, and regulations right. based on... Man's law, not God's law. Right. So once we started down that slippery slope, a lot of folks just kept slip sliding away. Mm. Right. Right. You know, so, so I mean, there there are a lot of things that need to be done. But you know, there are a couple things that I want to mention before I forget. Um, one, from doing this, from being in Washington this week, the one thing that was really crystal clear is that. Gosno, however you pronounce his name, because I know I'm not pronouncing it right. I don't really care. Y'all know who I mean. Um, he is the tip of the iceberg. He may be a poster child for, but he is not the anomaly that folks would like you to believe he is. That's right. Exactly. He is the one in the forefront right now, but he is certainly not a lonely only child in terms of in terms of this this type of of, of behavior and activity. Um, and it's real important that we keep up the heat and turn up the heat even further to, to make this a floodgate that just opens up so that people can understand and see all of what is really going on. You know. Folks that aren't Christian yeah. folks don't understand the concept of discernment. But when you when you understand discernment and you pray for discernment, you know that this is just the beginning. It's not even the tip. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put you. Uh, let me put that on hold. We're gonna get back to you. I have first. I want to get Melissa to because uh, we've got two guests on the line. Melissa being one of them. She's our our guest guest and host today. They have got to get going very soon. Let me get her on to talk about the floodgate that is opening. And there's a an abortion right. clinic close to you. It closed, but then it reopened. Tell us about that. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, we had a, veer, uh, a roller coaster of emotions this week in the pro-life movement here in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, this week. Um, the particular clinic that I actually um, – 
pray at um, is called April Ferg Women Health Center here in Charlotte, and it's one of the three um, abortion facilities here in our city, which is a lot for this area. Um, but we also have a Planned Parenthood office, but they don't perform abortions at the office there. Um, but April Ford Women's Health Center is the busiest abortion clinic here in Charlotte, and um, they are uh, flooded on six days a week with patients from uh, out of state, in state, and um, one of, what happened was on as a Friday, this past Friday, a week ago, um, their license uh, to practice was suspended, was revoked um, by. Uh, the State uh, Health and Human Services Board here in North Carolina. Um, and, you know, of course, we all were rejoicing um, and praising God for that um, victory um, in terms of getting that place shut down. Um, and I'll tell you what led up to uh, it actually getting shut down. Um, they were inspected in 2012 in December. Um, they had a um, an investigation um, by the State Health Department of North Carolina, and uh, what they found was dried blood on the doors and procedure tables and surgical instruments had dried blood on them as well. Um, they found dead bugs in the win um, in windows, thick dust on exam tables. Um, the employees were not trained. Um, they were short-staffed. They had untrained staff members operating medical equipment and treating patients. So... Um, these all are obviously red flags and would not be allowed um, in any segment of the medical profession. Um, but obviously, we're talking about the abortion industry here, so they always get a free pass. Um, uh, the North Carolina Board of, of uh, Health and Human Services came back last uh, this month, and they did a follow-up inspection. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, hoping that they would have cleaned their act up and hoping that things would be better. Um, but what they found uh, was that the nurses and doctors were improperly dispensing medicine. Um, actually, what they were doing is they were orally administering the RU486 abortion drug. And the um, manufacturer's directions um, clearly are that, that the drug is to be injected, but they were actually given it orally. And um, this has actually caused some issues with patients. Right. So that was a concern, obviously, um, and it, it's actually lethal. That could be lethal to, to administer that drug orally. They were also um, releasing the patients a half an hour after their abortions were done, and that is against state law. That is not enough time um, for the woman to recover after her procedure, and they were not properly um, identifying the products of conception. Obviously, um, we would uh, we know that, that these are baby parts, body parts, right. human remains, but they were not properly identifying the human remains um, to make sure that the abortion actually was completed and successful, which obviously we know uh, that could be deadly as well to leave fetal remains um, in a woman. So based on all these findings, obviously um, you have a huge problem here, and the clinic was shut down, and the exact wording in the complaint against the clinic was that they they are they pose an imminent threat to the health and safety of patients, and they were to close immediately. So, as of Friday at five o'clock last Friday, they were shut down. 
they were um, supposedly given supposed to give 60 days to appeal, and then it will be reviewed and all these sort of things. But um, the clinic actually reopened this Wednesday. They actually got the go-ahead on Monday. <laughs> so they were closed on Friday at 5. They got the go-ahead on Monday to reopen, and they were doing abortions again on Wednesday. And this was and how a, did they a, get a turnaround? Yeah, <laughs> I'm in. in we're, we're talking about some serious health code violations, right. and there's absolutely no way that they could have corrected these uh, these things in such a, a short period of time. So again. We are putting pressure on the state of North Carolina to investigate the quick reopening of April Ford Women's Health Center, and we are asking um, people to email, call the governor of North Carolina, Pat McCrory's office, who actually is pro-life, and he just um, he, he just uh, um, came into office recently, so um, he he's a good advocate for the pro-life movement, but also the mayor of Charlotte, Anthony Fox. Um, he is uh, adamantly pro-choice. Um, he participates in events with Planned Parenthood. So we don't know how successful that that will be, but we are just, you know, asking people to flood the Charlotte Mayor's office and the State of North Carolina um, Governor's office with emails and calls regarding this. Because, um, again, we talked about this earlier. Um, the pro-abortion uh, side, the, the abortion industry, um, claims that their goal is to protect women. And if that's what abortion is all about, is women, 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 women's safety, women's health, women's choices. And, and this kind of obviously poses, a, a, an Im, according to the state of North Carolina, poses an imminent threat to the health and safety of its patients. Who, who are, these patients are all women, right? So right. We, we, we are um, really trying, the abortion industry is really being exposed um, that for, for who they are and what they are, which is not, um, they have nothing to do with protecting women. They're hurting women. They're hurting children. They're killing children. And um, so we're just asking everyone to really join us in this effort to, um, to to expose this place and to get it shut down because it needs to be. We've, we've been there countless times where ambulances have come to, to cart women away because things mm-hmm. have gone wrong during their right. procedures. Um, and so it's just disturbing because this would not be allowed in any other uh, segment of, you know, a right. practice. Not None. not in your right. average doctor's office. Not in your average yeah. private, practice, private practice. Not at all. Well, no, I, not at all. I know you got to run. And thank yes, you for I being do. here. Hey. We're gonna we'll continue talking about this um, next week when you're back on, yes. and we'll continue to talk about what's happening with yes. that clinic. Yes. But I hope you go Before Melissa goes, um, Creole White Girl in the chat room wants the um, contact information to flood the, okay. the so can you give okay, I'll post, can you address I'll post it I'll post it in there now. I will go right in there and post it. Thank you guys so much for your support um to contact right. these officials. Okay. And I'll have hopefully have an update next week and God bless. God bless, God bless you, you next Melissa. week. We have Bye, a guys. caller um who's a longtime Facebook friend of of mine on um, the pro-life issues, and she, I asked her to call in and give her her perspective. Talisa, are you there? I'm here. How are you all? Hi. Welcome to Pro-Life Fridays. Well, thank you for having me. Wonderful. So I, I spotted you had uh, written a blog post 
that was concerning the Gottsmill trial. And I thought, yeah. what a great opportunity for us to find what your opinion is, because I want to hear, and I think America needs to hear what you have to say. Okay. Well, um, to start, you know, of course, I've been following the case just like everyone else um, has. And, of course, he's been convicted and mm-hmm. waived his right to uh Appeal so that he could avoid a death penalty in Philadelphia, and he's going to serve life in prison. Um, he's 72 years old. To me, it's kind of it's light, but um, I was glad to see that he was convicted in a society where so many um, don't just don't care for the life of the unborn. Right. Um, we're just at that point now where, for some people, having an abortion is no different from removing a kidney stone or something. It's just, it's amazing, you know, how far um, we've come from that. You know, my blog was about, you know, after the Gosnell case, in in response to that, Planned Parenthood came out with a statement, and this was their statement. It's really brief, so I'll read it. Uh, This case has made clear that we must have and enforce laws that protect access to safe and legal abortion, and we must reject misguided laws that would limit options and force them to seek treatment from criminals like Kermit Gosnell. Right. Or Gosnell, however you say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's something so we talk about. Basically what they're doing is blaming yeah. law. They're saying the, the, the states that have laws that restrict the time length that a woman can have an abortion. In Philadelphia, uh, late-time abortion is illegal, okay, which is why mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, convicted. And he was killing babies born alive. I mean, he was just, you know, a monster. Right, and that was their response, and I really, I, I was just like, wow. I mean, I shouldn't have been shot, but I just couldn't believe that rather than them, I mean, they do sort of condemn him and saying treating from criminal. I mean, he was a licensed physician, and he wasn't in some back alleyway, you know, give me cash, I'll give you an abortion. He was in a, in an office, um, and women were coming to him, uh, you know, and. They are actually blaming the law. They're saying that the the laws governing the time lift a woman has to have an abortion should be expanded. Right. That's their response. And I'm just like, wow. You know. Yeah. I, I was. How does that change what he did? How would that change anything that he did? Would he pick up after his cat any, you know, more often? No. I don't think right. so. Would he clean his instruments a little more often if he knew women had a, a, a longer time frame for legal abortion? I don't think that right. would affect him at all. It wouldn't affect him at all, and that place was no cleaner than your dirtiest uh, meat processing facility. Yeah. Let's be honest here. It wouldn't have changed yep. anything um, for him. And, you know, abortion is – Planned Parenthood, you know, it's, it's funny to me how they're really trying to hide their real motives. It, abortions are their moneymaker, you know, and they want the, the time period that a woman can have an abortion expanded because it it expands, I say in the blog, it expands their clientele, nothing mm-hmm. more. They could care less about the babies. They don't – you know, this is not about women's rights and all of that. This is about expanding and broadening their clientele base. The more, the longer women have to have abortions, the larger their clientele base, and, and it's just it's plain and simple. Right. So I'm like for them to try to argue from from you know some sort of weird misguided moral view that you're taking away rights from women. It's nonsense. You know, absolutely, it's, it's nonsense. 
so that was what you know my response to uh their statement was and and it's just we as a society i mean we've gotten to the point with too many of us we just really don't value life you know Barack Obama voted like what three, four times when he was a senator um, to not revive the lives of babies who were born alive. Yeah, you know, during an abortion. You know, and I just—it's just—it really breaks my heart because it's just a sign of the times for me and the times that we're living in. You know, women, you don't even value, I mean, you could go out and act responsibly all you want. Nobody told you, I mean, we're living in times where condoms and birth control, this stuff is free in every state. This, You know, mm-hmm. let's let's keep it real here. You can go to a government clinic. You can go in Georgia, you can go in a clinic and get condoms without even an appointment. They just hand them to you. You know, we have all of this birth control and contraceptives, and it, it just seems the left, they want to uh, – protect women from any possible consequences of their immoral behavior. And no matter how immoral you or irresponsible you behave, we got you covered. So you get knocked up because you're sleeping around, you know, then, hey, we got you covered. I don't care if you're you're eight months pregnant. We'll kill your child for you. I mean, really? Is that what, what, you know, that's where where we are now. Some states kind of have a decency to say, you know, let's let's stop this at a certain point. But I'm like, nobody told these women to wait until they were eight, nine months pregnant to to go in or about to give. This baby was moving in your belly. Right. Hey. There, there is a blatant disregard for uh, for the next generation. I think when when as we had Mark Crutcher on earlier had said, you can condition the mind to ignore the humanity of those people that you're killing. You can, you, oh, you spend your Killer mind Yes, you spend your time excusing it away long enough and you become numb to the fact that you're actually killing human beings. Absolutely. Right. And if Planned Parenthood is so concerned about women Okay, so they're not they're not saying don't only abort the boys. You know, it, it's just it, it's right. nonsense. So you don't care about the baby girls? I mean, if we want to go there and make it about gender, you know, I just, (laughs) yeah, I just, I don't, I don't understand that. But, you know, one thing that really stood out to me in this whole case and this whole thing was that with liberals, and I told my liberal friend, as I said on Facebook and throughout social media the other day, I've had a lot of liberals who say, yep, he's a monster, that was wrong, you know, and even Parent Parenthood is willing to call him a criminal. Yeah, that was wrong. And, and I have to challenge them from an ethical, moral, moral perspective on that. If God, right. if he had been in a state that allowed late-time abortions, you would have absolutely no problem with the same act. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what's what's the real problem here, you know? There's still a moral dilemma because the only reason a lot of liberals, you know, spoke out and said, showed their, and expressed their disapproval is because he actually broke the law. Well, some states allow late-time abortions. So now what? You would have been perfectly fine with it. Right. This man right. was snipping the spines of babies. He, In some cases, he was twisting their heads off. I mean, seriously, he was just a complete monster. But even I tell liberals, it's still a problem. You know, I tell conservatives, even the liberals that come out and spoke out against it, it doesn't matter. They would have been perfectly fine had he been in the state that allowed late-term abortion. That's right. Well, it's fine. It's, it's legal. Yes, it is. I think you can't. There's a dilemma there. Kansas, I think it is legal. 
Right. And so just, we, it, there's still a moral dilemma. There's still a problem. There's still a breakdown of, of society. And I don't care what people say, even if you don't uh, subscribe to Christianity or any or religion, period, you know, I am a Christian, and, and the Bible tells us to uh, not fornicate and to wait until we are married to engage in sex. Mm-hmm. And no matter what your walk of life you come from, in reality, religious or not, if we did that, we wouldn't have all of these problems, and we wouldn't have all of these problems with a lot of spread of STD. The implications oh, are very absolutely. clear. This is a behavioral this, thing. Absolutely. And you don't it's have to be religious, particularly idea. religious, to believe that. Right. Well, it all comes from the idea that we ought to be able to do whatever we want with our bodies whenever we want, you know, including sex Complete and, hedonism. And, aborting, and aborting our kids. I think we have gone away, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to necessarily be taken from a per- Christian or a biblical or even a religious point of view. This is the right. way that human behavior is. If you kept sex within the bounds of marriage, we wouldn't be having a problem with aborting 50 we wouldn't have had to abort 55 million babies from time Roe v. Wade was uh, was was settled till today. We wouldn't have a- had absolutely. that. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a serious moral dilemma, and you know, it's it really breaks my heart. I encourage women who are out there who end up pregnant. You know, if you don't know what to do, don't think you can. Look, there are plenty of women who've been in your position, and they have raised their children into productive citizens. They did what they had to do. They respect life. And I believe if you obey moral law and natural law and if you you respect life, I, I think that God will make a way for you to take care of that child or you can give that child to somebody else who can. Amen. Well, we are nearing the end of our time. I want to thank you, Talitha, for giving us a call and sharing your point of view. Um, Absolutely. Do call back again. I would love to have you back on again and and call anytime on Friday. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. I have enjoyed it. Wonderful show. Wonderful. Thank you for being here. Thomas, you want to say something? Yeah. Thomas. Oh, okay. I don't like rude people, so I had to go in the quiet room. Sorry. Cause anyway. Right, right. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Did you have something you wanted to ask our, our caller? Nope. I, I am good. Okay. <laughs> well, thank but, you again for being on the but show. But before our caller goes, doesn't that caller know our other colleagues? I do believe they know each other. I'm pretty sure the Facebook circles are kind of small at some point. How much I think we do? You don't hear our show a lot, right? Right. Say again. You're on. You, Thomas. You don't you call into Kira's show a lot, Kira Davis? Me? No. No, I I don't. We're probably we're probably connected on Facebook. If not, we should connect. I believe we may be and and that would certainly be a great thing if we if we did connect. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys again. Well, thank you for calling. Have a great day and join us again in the time. All right. Well, um while we still have Pastor Shannon um on the line, um 
I had one more thing that I wanted to add to the show before we leave our show today. And I wanted to end by saying, ladies, if you are thinking about getting an abortion, you need to know that it is not the same as getting a tooth removed at the dentist. And somebody's got their speakerphone on. I can hear my echo. Is that you, Thomas? Is that, is that me? What? No, is that better? Okay, it's not you. The abortion is basically in an abortion. What what struck me? I think last week because I, I abortion to me because I have never had an abortion. Abortion to me has has, has always been a theoretical thing. It's been in pictures. It's been described medically, and I've heard other people describe their own abortions, but I have not. Uh, kind of seen it with my own eyes until I watched the live action videos where they have where I suddenly because the camera angle is looking at the abortionist or the clinic worker that is explaining how uh, an abortion is done and a procedure is done I, I, suddenly I felt like I was the patient sitting in the chair asking for an abortion and I imagined what it would be like to have to go through that process. The abortionist basically has to open a woman's cervix long before the body is ready and basically do some hillbilly hand fishing in your womb to seek the life within you and end it. Now, I can't, I I just, I put myself in that place. And I know I said it kind of humorously, but having somebody reach into my body to try to do something, it it horrifies me because not only do I feel like, even if I wanted an abortion, a violation, uh, it is a violation, but the practicality is it is far easier to remove the baby. That often will be born anyway due to an open cervix and then kill that baby with scissors jammed in the back of the neck or any of the variety of ways that Douglas Carpenter or Kermit Gosnell or all the other abortionists that are currently doing this that was been talked about in the videos, because then the abortion won't be abortionist won't be killing in the blind, and that is the grim reality of abortion. And I, I just hope and I pray to all the women out there that are thinking about this too to think about what's happening to your body. Do you want to be put into that position? Uh, I want to thank all our guests uh, here on Pro-Life Fridays. Thank you so much for your time. Join us again next week as we have another wonderful episode of Pro-Life Fridays Radio. We are just going to keep continue to talk about the things that, are, that, that we have been con- talking about because they are so important. And so, Thomas, uh, did you have any last words? Yes, I do. I want to okay. thank, thank Pastor for calling in. Pastor Shannon, thank you for calling in. And um, I appreciate your help and your willingness on your on your part and the part of your husband, Michael, Pastor Michael, to be a part of our first pro-life event. Letitia, this is Pastor Shannon, who I was telling you about, that's going to do our little workshop for our first small event. Oh, so this wonderful. is Pastor Shannon. So um, awesome.
So well, we're I looking forward to it. We're really looking forward to it. And Thomas, while you're talking about it, why don't you give folks the date? Well, it's going to be June 15th. June 15th, 2013, Saturday. And we'll be giving you more details. So, until okay. next week. You have been listening to Pro-Life Fridays Radio on the Invisible Conservative Show. Have a good night. Good night. Side by side Don't matter like race Don't matter like place Don't matter